Welcome to The Storytellers, the radio show and podcast that features those who choose to leave their mark on the world through the art of story. I'm your host, Grace Salmon. I look forward to our time together today. Now, let's meet our storyteller. Raina Mortagenton grew up in Great Neck, New York. She attended college and law school at Yale. She has practiced law, studied at the Writing Institute of Sarah Lawrence College, and her work has been widely published on print and online and in regular real books. Her <laughs> debut novel, Unreasonable Doubts, was named a finalist for the Women's Fiction Writers Association. She wrote a middle school novel called My Name is Layla, which was a gold medal winner for Moonbeam Children's Awards. And her latest novel, Both Are True, is receiving great acclaim. I could not be happier than to invite and welcome Raina to the Storyteller Microphone. Thank you so much, Grace. It's wonderful to be here. I'm so fascinated by your work. You started out as a lawyer, and that comes into some of the books which we'll be talking about. But you kind of backed into writing. It began as a lark. Could you tell us about that? So when I quit my legal job, I had been practicing law for 23 years, um, and I quit the last job I had after 18 years. I was a criminal defense attorney uh, doing criminal appeals for convicted felons. And I quit, honestly, with having very little idea of what I wanted to do with my time. And a friend of mine said that she was taking a class at Sarah Lawrence, and she said, come with me. And I said, no, it's, you know, I've been writing for years. I don't need to take a writing class. And she said, no, it'll be fun. Come see. And, and I went with her. And I, I was really very hesitant because it was a memoir writing class. And I knew that I did not have a memoir in me. Um, but when I went, I, I learned a lot and I learned mostly that memoir isn't necessarily about writing your life story from start to finish. It's, it's often about writing about people and about important moments in your life and learning how to write them in a relatable way that other people can read it and see themselves in your experiences. So that's kind of how I got started and it just went from there. So as a lawyer, you had to have great writing skills. I know that that's just a part of the gig, if you will. But what did you learn from taking a class in terms of the craft of writing novels? I learned a lot. I mean, I learned a lot about focus and about discipline, which also obviously you have as an attorney, but your your bottom line is different when you're an attorney. You're, you're looking to achieve different goals. You're not looking to produce something that's going to have an emotional effect necessarily on people. And I, I think a lot of it was about learning how to bring bring story out, as you say. I mean, I, I was doing criminal appeals and that is a lot about storytelling. You're really taking somebody's life and the mistakes that they've made and trying to prove or suggest to the judges that they deserve a second chance. And that is a tremendous amount of storytelling. But, but it's different than starting with your imagination and trying to make something really different out of it. So I love that shift in terms of recreating yourself much of my life and much of my own storytelling is about that recreating of yourself and that's very very true of your latest novel so could you talk a little bit about your new novel both are true thanks um so both are true is a story about a woman named jackie martin who has just recently been appointed as a family court judge in manhattan and she has no experience in that area of law, but not only that, she's not married, she has no children. So although, you know, obviously she grew up in a family, she doesn't have a lot of experience 
understanding these dysfunctional families that come before her. And she's kind of a controlling type. She's a little type A and she goes about her personal life that way as well, which has resulted in her not having a, a you know, really satisfying love life for quite a while. And um, she comes into the book, she's fallen for somebody who's a little more spontaneous. His name is Lou, he's a writer, and he's kind of a, a different sort. And he's, he's good for her, but she maybe doesn't express herself well enough. And he, I, I don't want to give away too much, but he kind of calls it off right at the beginning of the book. So what you're watching throughout the book is how these two people interact and are they going to find each other in love or are they better off going their separate ways? Well, I've just begun. Both are true. And I'm in love with Jackie, your main character. And I hate to say it is probably because I'm a little bit of a control freak. Um, in my former life, I was probably a type A personality. But I love when you describe her kitchen where everything is perfect. And I don't see anything wrong with that. So, <laughs> Well, I'm glad. I, you know, she is, she's a certain type. And I hope people will, will see that. And in part of the book is her growing out of being that, that type, understanding that life and love sometimes require a different level of spontaneity. Well, in all of the reviews that I've read of your book, all of which are very, very positive, I love that they say that they're perfectly flawed characters, that you balance love, life, and career, and that you're very provocative. And I found that just in the beginning chapters. Does that come out of your law background? What are you trying to provoke, if you will? Um, I guess I'm trying to provoke people to think about people in a little wider way to, to look at them and understand that their character is going to evolve, hopefully, but also not, you know, may challenge some of the specific ways that you express, you expect a character to act in your novels. Um, you know, they, they make mistakes. They do, you know, I mean, you haven't gotten too far with Jackie, but she makes some doozies of some mistakes and it's, you know, and you want to either shake her or say, you know what? That's what people do. That's what life is like. And how do you come back from that? That's the important part is how do you, you know, look at your mistakes and learn from them and figure out a way to hopefully make things better. And I, I think all my characters do have that. Um, they're, they're not, you can't pigeonhole them. They're not goody two shoes and they're not, you know, they, they, they live their lives and they make mistakes. It's interesting that you talk a little bit about Jackie that way, because in my book, The Eves, the character is very flawed. And I was asked once, why do we write such flawed characters? Because not everybody likes them. Has that been your experience? Talk about that, please. For sure. I mean, you know, there are a lot of characters in my books that I hope that you like them because I, I want you to see their humanity. But if you look at them outright at first, I mean, my first book, the male, you know, alternate romantic lead has been convicted of, of rape. And the question runs through the novel, did he do it or not? I mean, his innocence is definitely at the heart of the novel, but I, I hope he's a likable character in some ways. Even when you read about him and you say, how could I possibly like this person? He's done this terrible thing. You know, part of it is you're saying, well, maybe he hasn't done this terrible thing. But even if he has, does he have another side? Is he also available, you know, is he also capable of love even if he's done something hurtful and, and horrible? You know, so I think I think having the complexity allows the reader to look a little deeper into the characters and not not just, you know, as I say, pigeonhole them into this type or that type. 
I think for me, it makes for a much more engaging character because we are so, so flawed. I am not somebody who has taken a lot of craft classes. I've written four books, but I haven't taken a lot of craft classes. So that's where I wanted to touch on your work at Sarah Lawrence. But I learned from Lainey Cameron, who's a wonderful author, about a an example of something she calls pet the cat. So even if you have this horrible man who is convicted of rape, you need to make him pet the cat so that he's likable. And I think you've already done that in how far I've gotten into Jackie, that she's still likable. So I love that um, that's your approach, that even in your first book, it's that idea of he may have been accused of rape, but where are his other characteristics that make him human? Not that we would ever justify rape in any way, no, shape, or form. Not. I want to be very, very clear on that. No, but that at the end of the day, we are human. And um, I like that with Jackie, my sense for her is she's very self-aware until she's not. Right. <laughs> I think that's very accurate. She She's a woman in love. And she, you know, whatever that song was, she'll do anything. I mean, she kind of you follow her in the book and, and a lot of the time you're saying, no, please, please don't, <laughs> don't do that. Even though, you know, you understand the motivation and you understand the loneliness and you understand that all she wants is to have things work out and, and it clouds her judgment, you know, it does. And that's, that's her kind of flaw. And I don't think it's a fatal flaw. I think she comes back from it. And I think that that's, what's redeeming in, in the books, you know, is that these, these people come back from their fatal flaws in, in some way, maybe not all the way, but, but they are, that's what they're working on. And that's, I feel like what we're all working on. And I think that's the gift certainly of aging that we get to do do-overs. You know, we, we live with our past certainly, but we get to redefine ourselves. And I think that I've read that in many of your reviews that one of them was, this is a moving novel that examines what it means to start over with surprising consequences. And some of those surprising consequences can be quite positive, can't they? Sure, of course. And, and also that's a little bit why I, most of my books I write about a little bit older characters. You know, I mean, Jackie's not a young, you know, she's 40. I mean, she's, by, by my standards now she's young <laughs> but by no, mine as well but she's not a you know she's not a 20 year old ingenue she, this, that's not what's happening here it's, it's it's as much of it as is a coming of age novel she's coming of age in her 40s and you know I think that that's a different it's a different stage to look at and to me it's more interesting because I'm you know past that age but um yeah so I, I think as you say aging gives you a certain perspective I'm very impressed that you have three novels out in the world in what I consider a very short period of time. Would you talk about how that happens? Yeah. I mean, the first novel I started writing in 2015. So though it came out in 2018, that, you know, that was definitely three years in the making. Um, And yeah, the other two also, I mean, I really, I've just, because I stopped practicing and because my kids are out of the house, this is sort of what I'm doing now. And I, I'm always amazed. I know so many authors who are writing m- much more prolifically than I am, for sure. They're having a book come out every year. And, you know, and, and everyone says that if you want to remain relevant, you, you know, you have to keep the books coming. Um, I, you know, I, I told you a little earlier what I, you know, the COVID thing, I'm just finding it very difficult. I'm finding it difficult to work. I'm hoping that now that things are normalizing, my writing will get back to normal also. But there were times where I had everybody here in the house, you know, I had my grown children here in the house, my husband working from the house. And 
I find that not easy. Well, Virginia Woolf used to say a, wom a woman needs a room of her own. For sure. Um, I have absolutely no idea how those Bronte sisters ever got anything written, <laughs> all sitting around by candlelight. But I think that COVID has had a profound effect. But for, still, for you to be able to get out these three books and understand that it is that relevance, I worry all the time. My book has now been out two years, and I don't have another book in the hopper. I have some craft books in the hopper, but not another novel. So what stimulates you? You obviously have times where the kids are out of the house. But where are you getting your stories in your head, and how are those translated onto your keyboard? You know, I always look for some spark of something that I've experienced to make, you know, the beginning of the story or I'm working on a novel now and and the spark honestly, I was up in my attic one day. I had my parents are both passed away. I have a lot of their stuff in my attic and I didn't realize that I had boxes of letters that my father had sent to his parents when he went off to college. I had no idea I had them there. And I'm sure there's really a whole book in that, but that wasn't the spark. The spark was just, what if you suddenly found out something very different about your parent that really influenced their whole life that you didn't know before? You just kind of stumbled upon it. And that started me on, an, on a new story. And it's a, it's a mother-daughter novel. And it's, a, you know, this daughter is about to, I've just reached the point I'm about 150 pages in where she's going to find out what her mother's story is and what what went on in college that she didn't know and you know i i tend to just try to live my life and keep my eyes open and you know see what sparks my interest well i think that when our stories are told everything changes and all of us have that backstory which some sometimes our children want to hear sometimes they don't want to hear and sometimes they discover perhaps in an attic after we're gone so i, I look forward uh, to that as well you are a member of the women's fiction writers association as am i what have you found there that has helped your writing i think mostly a sense of community um you know you mentioned laney before when i was looking for people to read my novel my latest novel and perhaps with an eye towards blurbing it I wrote to her and she was so nice. And I don't, you know, I don't actually know her personally, but we're members of this community. And, you know, the same with me being on your podcast today. I think it's so important, especially when you've left a different kind of career, maybe that had a, a kind of a built-in community. I mean, I had colleagues, I had, you know, there were judges, there were prosecutors, there were, you know, the people that I interacted with. And when you're writing, and you're mostly sitting by yourself, I think it's so critical to develop a community around you. So I, I think it's mostly for the community. I certainly do attend a bunch of the webinars. Um, and I, you know, I was very happy to be part of the, the uh, Star Award um, contest in 2019. That was fabulous. So I, I just think they do a tremendous amount of good work. Um, and just being associated with it, I think is a plus. Well, that has been, for me, really a surprise of COVID and actually of social media as a whole, that we really do have an amazing sense of community. You and I have never spoken before uh, today, but that we both have Lainey, for example, in common, uh, being on her podcast. There is an immense sense of community that happened virtually that I don't know, for me, was at least a very big surprise. Yeah, for me too. And even some of the things that had been in person that went to Zoom, 
you know, just kept me going. I mean, I'm in a, I'm in a writing workshop. We normally meet every two weeks in person, but over COVID we met on zoom and it wasn't, it wasn't the same. <laughs> it wasn't as satisfying. You didn't feel like you were sitting with your friends, but you know, even just to have something to kind of keep going that way, I think was really important. Tell me about the importance of a writing uh, workshop for you. What do you do there? So what we do is we each uh, bring in, I would say, between 1,000 and 1,200 words that we want to share of, of our work in progress. Um, it's a group that I've been in this group for a year, but I've taken classes with all the people in this group in various other settings over the last six or seven years. Um, we do have a leader. I know he... he He's a professor, but he doesn't like to be, you know, that's not in the workshop. He's just one of the guys, um, but it's incredibly helpful and he's very wise. And um, that's it. We share, we all go around, we comment and, you know, it's, it's partially feedback and it's partially just having people enthusiastic about what you're working on and who are going to say, you know, can't wait until we meet next time to read your next five pages, whatever it is. Well, that's where I think is something that I would really benefit from. I think it would be a motivator. It would be, I'd have to be accountable to other people. But it's also that idea of beta readers who can refine your work in ways that you can't even see. Is that right. your experience? For sure. Absolutely. I think, you know, it's, it's also in this kind of group, they started at the beginning with me with this novel. So, you know, they're, they're reading it as I mean, I'm I'm ahead of them, but because it, because we can only read four or five pages each time, and it's every two weeks. Um, but just having a group that's following the story and can tell me where it's going off, or where you know why why isn't there a little romance here, or why whatever it is is you know is very helpful. I've read that you try to balance both the story with a little romance. Is that always a theme? Um. You know, I'm a big believer in love, and <laughs> I kind of feel like if you can't get a little love in there, like I mean, I I like to read that. I I don't write any real sex scenes. That's not my thing. And I feel like any book that I would write, I want my children to be able to read it and not be embarrassed. Um, so mine are all closed door scenes for that. But there's definitely romance. Well, I agree with you. Everybody needs a little bit of love. I always love to ask my guests, is there something quirky about you that people might not find out about if they're just visiting your website? Oh, sure. I mean, there's there's all sorts of kind of deficiencies I have. I I would say one of the big ones it's is not that, the same. Quirky well, is necessarily deficient. I, I know, but I think mine are. Um, I, For example, I can't parallel park. I haven't parallel parked since my road test. I know we both grew up on Long Island. That was the last time I parallel parked was on my road test on Long Island. And so now anywhere I go, I have to go where places where I can pull into the spot. So I love that. And I, is your kitchen absolutely perfectly clean like Jackie's? No, not at all. No, that's not me. So she can be your alter ego. Where can people find out more about you? Um, I have a website. It's uh, just RainaMartyrGenton.com, um, and all the books are obviously on the you know indie store, you know bookstore, um, bookshop. I'm going to get that wrong, uh, and all on Amazon everywhere. Raina, this has been an absolute delight. I'm so glad we got a chance to talk together today. I can't wait to get back to read more about Jackie and how she's doing in Both Are True. Thanks, Thanks for being so my much. guest today. Thanks for having me. This has been a copyrighted episode of The Storytellers by Authors on the Air, Global Radio Network, and Grace Salmon. Thanks so much for being with us.
That concludes this episode of The Storytellers. I'm so glad you could be part of the story today. I hope you share the stories, tell your own, and come back for another episode. Because when our stories are told, everything changes. I'm Grace Salmon. Grace Salmon.